Hello and welcome to the Answers for Cancers podcast. I am your host, Anne-Marie Fay, And I'm Michelle Matthews. Together with some of Ireland's leading experts, we want to unravel what it truly means to have cancer. From consultant diagnosis to treatment plans, from managing your symptoms to supports available, we have it covered. So whether you're a nurse working in oncology or have been personally affected by cancer, this podcast is for you. Dr. Mary Rogan is a retired GP, psychosexual therapist and author of Sex for Simple Humans. She set up a free sexual dysfunction clinic in University Hospital Galway where problems such as erectile dysfunction are addressed. She is a member of the ISSM Communications Committee and of the LTPC European Lobby Group. She has a master's in CBT and a fellowship in sexual medicine and her book Sex for Simple Humans is also available on Amazon. We feel extremely privileged to have Dr. Rogan on our podcast today. She gives us advice as nurses as to how we can approach the topic of erectile dysfunction and also explains all the different types of supports that are available as well. This conversation has been transformative in how we care for our patients and we hope you get as much from this conversation as we have. Just a little disclaimer, this podcast was recorded over Zoom and we started recording mid-conversation because Mary actually was given so much informative information before we even started answering our questions and we wanted to make sure we captured every little bit for you. So don't be alarmed if you feel like you're missing some of the conversation, you're not, but hold on because it will all make sense as soon as the conversation starts to flow. Um, And as always, please do like and subscribe to our podcast because it really supports us and it lets other people know that we're here as well. Um, You can also find us on Instagram at the answers for cancers podcast uh, where we'll give you weekly updates on what's coming up next um, thank you so much for all of your support so far and we hope you enjoy this conversation you know what i mean the whole body whereas in hospital now it's become much more reductionist and you're dealing with one particular area so yeah. it's harder to know to know the patients but um general practice has become a bit better at it but hospital medicine I suppose there's a lot of reasons. It's it's a cultural thing and it's also the fact that it's so busy. Yeah. I think that's it. And it's so hard sometimes just to find the time where you can actually see people privately, you know, where there's not, you know, people either side of them to ask them these questions. You know, it's a little bit easier with COVID now. Obviously, there's a lot more social distancing and stuff. But then mm-hmm. I think like I said it to you back last year when we spoke, Mary, like I was saying to you, I just really struggled like how do I ask the questions? And you said, why don't you say, are you having any problems in uh, with intimacy? And so I, I started saying that and actually I had a much better response when I started saying that because I felt more comfortable saying it, you know? Well, you see, you're not intruding. I was talking to a lady today who wants me to do a video on, um, oh, a couple of things, but I don't want to do it. Um, you know, she was talking about asking people about or raising the topic. And I said to her, and I'm, I'm like a broken record with this, but it's true. All the research says that the patient is waiting for the healthcare provider, be it nurse, physio, specialist nurse, um, a gynecologist, whatever, GP. They're waiting for us as healthcare providers to open the door. Yeah. You know, if you're looking at Plisit, mm-hmm. which is the, the model we, we use, permission giving been the first you have to give permission and the only way you can give permission is by asking the question because some of them will ask but enough lot of them won't mm-hmm. and once you ask the question and it doesn't have to be she said it might be very intrusive and I said asking someone if they're having any difficulties with intimacy is not intrusive yeah and it gives them the opportunity to raise a problem they might have 
And if they don't want to talk about it, then they'll say, no, I'm fine. Mm, yeah, Absolutely. that's true. Yeah, I think sometimes it's good, to, like you said, just open up the conversation because it reminds us that we do have a responsibility to to open up these conversations and care for people in all. Well, look, it's like this. We're doctors, we're nurses, we're physios, we're, you know, pharmacists, whatever. We are looking after patients and we are, we wouldn't neglect to check in on how their, let's say their bowels were, their urinary function was. We wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't neglect to ask about allergies. We wouldn't uh, neglect to ask about, you know, heartbeat or blood pressure or what medication they were on. And yet we're, we're leaving this out. And I mean, to me, that's just downright unethical. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. we don't work like that in any other way. So yeah. we need to bring this in. I think the but Irish culture yeah. definitely plays a big part in it. You know, like historically, the mm. our country just isn't really open to those conversations. But ah, come here. We should be because, I mean, look at how much there is out there about sex. Look at how yeah. much there is on social media. Yeah. Look at how much there is on the media. Look at how much it's talked about. Mm. Now, unfortunately, it's a uniquely personal thing. And I, that's not unfortunate. It is, it is a uniquely personal thing. But unfortunately, we were all raised to somehow feel that it was not quite nice or dirty or something nice people didn't do or certainly something people didn't talk about. We all have that. That's kind of a, a sociological thing, a cultural thing. Mm. But we need to say to ourselves, where is continuing to think like this going to get me? Mm. You know, where is it going to get my patients? Mm. And I mean, you have no difficulty. The first time you went into a room, you had to ask a woman about her periods or you had to ask about... Um, bowel function or urination or whatever it might have been a bit embarrassing but you got over it didn't you yeah yeah Yeah. I think the part that I find difficult is I don't know what to say to somebody and I suppose hopefully that's you know this will be great today I'm afraid sometimes if somebody says to me yeah I am having a lot of difficulty I don't know what to tell them or I don't know where to advise them to go and I'm afraid you know I'm afraid then but first of all Michelle you may not you might be able to help them yourself you 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 may not need to send them anywhere Mm -hmm. Um, there was um, um, an ISSM an international society of sexual medicine webinar are on there last week or the week before and it was about sexuality after cancer treatment Mm. And unfortunately, we're, we've got very good at treating cancer, but our uh, our interventions, while they're life saving, they are causing a lot of side effects. And we, we all know about that. And you were talking in the pro- context of prostate cancer, but it happens with a lot of, of cancers and a lot of illnesses in general. And um, now, where was I going with that? Basically, um, Oh, yeah. Somebody, a lot of people who were on that was a huge, it was a worldwide, you know, audience of of this webinar. And it was very, very good. And um, one guy was asked, where do we get training? Where do we learn more about this? And he said, well, the first thing you always have to have to take note of is your patient will teach you. Okay. And I thought it was very profound. Your patient will ask the questions that need to be answered. Mm-hmm. Your patient will teach you. Now, you will have the basic knowledge. Hopefully, after this, you'll have a little few bits more. But you have a lot of it already. Yeah. There's a lovely, um, and I don't know, he's an onco-sexologist, I think. Uh, but And he's retired now anyway, very unfortunately, because he's a great class. Pierre Bondil, he's in, I think, Bordeaux in France. Mm-hmm. And he uh, has written uh, a chapter on cancer and, on in the book Cancer and Sexuality. 
uh, which is available. Um, I think I, I'll send you the details of it. It's um, it's a very, very useful book. Uh, nothing too uh, elaborate. Do you know what I mean? There, there isn't, it, 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 a book you can refer to and you can get an answer fairly quickly to a question. Mm. It hasn't got big long chapters or anything like that. But Pierre says that of people who have sexual difficulties, um, one third will want to just mention. Mm-hmm. So one third of the people you ask, are you having difficulties with intimacy? They just want to mention it. They won't mm-hmm. want you to do anything other than listen to them yeah. and, you know, validate the fact that it's there and say, yeah, that can happen and we can help if you wish. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, no, that's fine. I just wanted to mention it. Mm-hmm. One third will look for basic information that you will be able to give them. So you'll be able to say, yeah, it does happen. PDE5 inhibitors can help. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of this work is left to you, the nurses, you're going to have to know that they need to go on, let's say, what I always advise is sildenafil 25 milligrams daily. Mm-hmm. And if they want to try and have sex, then, you know, to take an extra on-demand dose and they can take up to 100 milligrams a day. And in order to be able to get enough, because people have the idea that you can only get four a month, Mm-hmm. You'll only be reimbursed for four a month, either on the GMS or the drugs benefit scheme. But you can get as many as you want. But okay. if there's a financial problem, which there can be, some of these mm-hmm. guys coming in don't have the money to be buying extra tablets. What I say to them is take, ask for a prescription for four by 100 milligrams. Get the chemist to make four halves of each of these tablets. You have 16. Pay for another four yourself and you have enough for a month and two days into the next month. Right. And that, what that does is that improves the blood flow um, to the corpora cavernosa. And the corpora cavernosa of the penis are like a fridge. They need to go on and off. So guys get intermittent erections. And it's nothing to do with being turned on or horny or anything to do with sex. It's that the corpora cavernosa are being flushed. So like a fridge going on and off. So if they have, for example, if they've had um, an intervention like um, uh, prostatectomy or radiotherapy, either external beam or brachytherapy, and they're having erectile difficulties, they, using the PGE5 daily will help to flush the area with, with uh, blood and will keep the corpora uh, healthy. And then if they need it, for example, if they had gone through all the other interventions and nothing had worked, uh, and they were going to go and get implants, which are being done here in Ireland now, and we sh- they should be a lot more available, but we're we're working on that. We're working on, on, on better access for patients. It's easier when the, the surgery they do to, to put in implants, they take out the corporate cavernose. I presume they curette them out. I couldn't watch surgery. <laughs> Don't know. But they, they, they remove them and I presume they curette them because I don't see how else they get them out. And if they are healthier and not fibrosed and scarred, because of lack of blood flow to the area, then it's easier to put in the implants. So I suppose just to start with the basics then, could you tell us a little bit about what is erectile dysfunction? Right. Um, well, erectile dysfunction is when the... Uh, journey, that's a difficult question to answer. <laughs> well, let's say an erection happens when um, desire begins in the brain. So we go through the, the, the sexual response sequence. So the guy gets turned on, uh, the messages go from the ve- brain via the nerves, spinal nerves and blood vessels to the penis. Blood flows into the cap- corpora cavernosa. It doesn't flow out unless there's a leak. 
the penis becomes gradually more and more engorged. Eventually, uh, you get to the stage of plateau, which is where the sensation prior to orgasm is at, at its height. Uh, it's followed by orgasm, and that's followed by resolution and a, a, a refractory period where the guy won't get an erection again. Now, if anything happens to interrupt, what you need so for an erection is you need the right stimulation, you need the right blood supply, and you need the right nerve supply. And if any of those are uh, missing, then you're going to have a problem with erections. Mm -hmm. And in the context of age, um, guys don't have as firm erections as they get older, um, maybe because testosterone goes down by 1% per year after the age of 40. Maybe there's other problems like atherosclerosis, so the blood supply is compromised. Or maybe because there are nerve problems uh, and problems with the nerve supply can occur after intervention for cancer, like robotic surgery for prostate cancer or um, radiotherapy. And it can also happen, um, let's say, in people who have diabetes. So I would see a lot of diabetics uh, in the clinic. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, 25 milligrams per day of sildenafil seems to work for them. And how long it's going to work, I don't know. But at the moment, it seems to do the trick. And would that kind of medication work for patients that have um, erectile dysfunction from prostate cancer? Yeah, uh, um, we talk about prehabilitation and we talk about sexual rehabilitation. And really, even though it's a difficult one, because, you know, when you see a patient or the patient has been seen by a consultant and given a diagnosis of prostate cancer. Now, being given a diagnosis of prostate cancer or of any kind of cancer is huge. You know, it's devastating. And at that stage, we should be talking about, you know, preserving the, 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 the blood flow insofar as we can to the corporate cavernosa. And that's when we should be suggesting that they start on sildenafil. At least this is what the experts say. Now, there's no joined up thinking there's no standard protocol, there's no uh, accepted protocol anywhere, unfortunately, yet for, for prehabilitation or sexual rehabilitation. But it's being done and there are various dosages um, used in various places. What I suggest is 25 milligrams daily and maybe extra on demand if they're going to try and stimulate themselves and have sex. But, you know, that differs. And so just because you go to your consultant as a patient and you're given a different uh, prescription to the one I'm suggesting doesn't mean that's not right. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, 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 the most important thing is that you get the medication and you take it. Okay. And you mentioned there about um, the radical prostatectomy and the uh, radiation therapy affecting the erectile dysfunction. Does uh, therapies like hormone therapy affect it as well? It does, yeah, and it also has a lot of side effects, as you know, and it also causes, um, knocks out desire. Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't do that. You see, it's not uh, 100%, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Every single person who has surgery gets has problems and needs major interventions. Everybody who has radiotherapy has major problems, never gets the erection back. It's, it, the percentage will have ongoing problems. A lot of people as you know yourselves as, as a prostate um, cancer nurses, after between 18 months and two years, erections can start to return. They can even start to return before that. But mm -hmm. if the hormone therapy is put in there, then desire is knocked out as well. Mm -hmm. And that's a difficult one. Mm -hmm. And that can cause a lot of grief. But remember, with any sexual dysfunction, it's a little bit like, as I said to you earlier on, a third of patients will come in and they'll say they have a dysfunction and they'll just want to mention it. They don't want an intervention. 
Mm. If a dysfunction is not causing bother, then it's not a dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that's a really good point, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to go fix it. What we what they don't want us to fix. Mm-hmm. We just Absolutely. need to be able to give the information. Mm-hmm. Like you say, it's important sometimes just acknowledge it, that it's there. Mm-hmm. And then often yeah. sometimes that just reduces it itself, really, doesn't it? Um, yes. Well, it reduces I mean, the stress, I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, information, knowledge is power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think validating and normalizing, you know, saying, yeah, that happens. Yeah, yeah you know, you're not the only one. Um, it may return, it might not. We can do something to help us return. And we can, we have, I mean, it's it's one of the easiest dysfunctions to deal with in a way, erectile dysfunction, because there are so many uh, available treatments. Mm-hmm. And there are a few that uh, I would not be as keen on as others like this external wave um um sound therapy mm. which ultrasound therapy which um is it's it's administered by a machine and if you go to any of the big meetings and the uh, pharmaceutical companies who make the machines have them there you'll find a crowd of men around it <laughs> guys love toys for boys <laughs> I'm not so sure. And the figures aren't really giving us an awful lot of encouraging results with those. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that they're talking about at the moment is protein-rich plasma. Mm. And again, I wouldn't be sending someone running off to get that, mm-hmm. to get to get injected with that, because I don't know if the yeah. results are. It's too early maybe to say, and I don't think the results are good enough yet. So the options are that the, the plasma, which is an injection, and then the external wave ultrasound, isn't it? And then there's yes. a tablet form as well. Is that right? Well, the PDE5 inhibitors are mm. taken in tablet form. Okay. And, they, and alprostadil can be given by injection. It's called Cavraject. Mm-hmm. And alprostadil can also be given by, um, the, there's a gel, which unfortunately is not reimbursable on the GMS. So mm-hmm. they're quite expensive. And it's very disappointing for a guy. If a guy is going on anything like that, he needs a little bit of counselling. You need to have, a, have okay. you know, talk to him about it. You need to make arrangements to see him again. You know, mm-hmm. whether, whether you talk to him on the phone or you see him back in a clinic, you need to make sure that it's, get, it's going all right for him. And you need to tell him, how will I put it? You need to manage expectations, management of expectations. Mm-hmm. And they come in bouncing, you know, some of them, and they're, guys are interested in sex up and up until a good age i mean the oldest man i had in the clinic was was 87 pierre bandil mentions 90 year olds uh, mm-hmm. males now rather more than females so mm-hmm. they're interested in sex uh, but they can be unrealistic so you have to find out what it was like for them before mm-hmm. you know some of them may already have had difficulties mm-hmm. so you don't want them to go out to the clinic with the impression they'll be back the way they were when they were 20 mm-hmm. you know or 30 so you have to manage expectations and you have to say, you know, small steps. Yeah. And it's not it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Take mm-hmm. your time. Take yeah. it easy. Settle in the meantime for the sex that you have rather than the sex you'd like to have. OK, mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's good. And you mentioned earlier on about um, surgery, that there was a surgical option for patients. There's a surgical option. Now, before that, let me mention yeah. um the, the alprostadil injections are given into the penis, into the corporate cavernosa, and they're taught by, we have a clinic in Galway here, one of the radiology nurses, specialist nurses actually does it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And uh, that is not a painful injection and that can work very well. Everybody is different. Some guys find that unacceptable. No, 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 don't want to know about it. Mm-hmm. Or tried it and I wasn't happy with it. Mm-hmm. Some are delighted with it. It works mm-hmm. perfectly. I had one couple into me and uh, he, men are very focused on performance when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. And uh, women are more focused on appearance. Yeah. So in the context of erectile dysfunction as a result of prostate cancer treatment, you know, it, it, it puts huge pressure on them because they yeah. feel they can't perform. And oftentimes you'll find that intimacy suffers and is lost because they won't even put an arm around their their, their female partner if, if, if they're heterosexual because she'll think that they want to have sex and they won't be able to finish the job. And mm-hmm. you'll hear the words, the job. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about penetrative sex. So mm-hmm. they're very, very focused on that. And uh, so the alprostate, and this guy um, tried the PDE5s. Now he came into me, I'd say maybe nearly two years post-surgery. So I didn't expect them to work, but we tried the 25 milligrams with extra on demand, didn't work. And he was quite a demanding guy. And um, and, and that was fine. I mean, he, he, he didn't give me any difficulty, but he, he wanted results. Mm-hmm. And I sent him off to Ger in the Caverject Clinic and they came back to see me once. And I wanted to do, do some more work with them on intimacy and the relationship because I felt that, you know, he was very focused on performance and the wife was there. She attended with them. She'd have liked a little bit more than just technical mm. excellence in sexual act. And she wasn't getting it. Mm-hmm. And he waited with me and he, and he came back and he said, no, he said, I can perform. I can give her an orgasm. And I said, what about you? That doesn't matter. I can perform. Mm-hmm. And I never saw them again. He didn't want to attend the clinic anymore. And that's why. That mm-hmm. was yeah. the So, um, and there's also the vacuum pump. Mm-hmm. And that is used, basically what what you do is you create a vacuum, you have a ring that once they have worked up an erection with the vacuum pump, they put on a holder ring, a non-metal ring, which can't be left on any longer than half an hour, and they can then have sex. Again, that is not acceptable to everybody, but the people who use it and who find it works for them are very happy with it. Do they wear the the ring during sex? They they wear, wear it to maintain the erection until okay. yeah and where do you go about where would somebody go about inquiring about getting something like that well uh like i said in galway we have th- there's there's also a clinic there's a chap who works for the company who manufactures the pumps and he does a demonstration mm-hmm. so you could also you could always uh, um inquire Gerald mm-hmm. Boylis is the radiologist specialist nurse, uh, radiology specialist nurse in Galway. You mm-hmm. could all get in touch with her because she'd be able to tell you more about the Caverject Clinic and the vacuum pump. And you could start one yourselves. And I think that's what you'd have to do. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. The guy can go, the fellas can go and they can um they can buy these things online. But mm-hmm. everybody is different. Yeah. And I mean at, at one erect penis is a different size to another. And yeah. guys tend to overestimate their size. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they might be like women with bra cup sizes. I don't know, but they tend to overestimate. And you have to allow for that. So yeah. they, they may get something that's that's too big, you know. And yeah, ring absolutely, big. yeah. And like you say, like, uh, for, there's so they're many not going options. To come back and say, they're not going to come back with it, you know. 
Yeah. There's no return policy, is there? <laughs> I don't know a return policy, but they'd be too embarrassed. You know, Absolutely. But like you say, everyone's an individual and there's so many options. So it's important to speak to the healthcare provider and go through these options and make the most informed decision for mm. yourself, really, isn't it? Exactly. And yeah. the most, most um, neurologists, you know, whether it be a consultant or a reg or, or SHO, they, they'll have that information. They'll be able to tell them a bit about it. But like I said, you should set up. What hospital are you in? Oh, the matter and the matter private. Okay, well, you should set up your own clinic. Yeah, mm, yeah, good point. So always oh, setting up our own initiative, so you never know. You never know, Mary. <laughs> well, if you've done this now, you can do that. Gerald Boyle, I think one of the urologists encouraged her to do it and backed her to do it, and she went over to... Um, the USA and she trained in how to do the injections with John Mulhall. Now John Mulhall is a giant in um, sexual medicine and he's a UCD graduate, he's an Irishman. Okay. I'm sure he'd, he'd, um, he's, he works out at Sloan Kettering in New York. Oh yeah, there's a lot of our doctors have yeah big links to yeah. Sloan Kettering already. And uh, Mary, I suppose, um, continuing on, are there things that patients can do to help themselves um, at home? Like, is there anything like in terms of like exercise, diet, anything like that, that would help with um, erectile? Well, general good health is always important. And people who have um, cancer and treatment for cancer, they are at higher risk, according to the statistics for other um, health problems. I, the thing that reminds me of that is I had a patient who had, um, he had uh, high cholesterol and he was hypertensive and he got all that under control and he was on his, his statins and he was well. And he developed prostate cancer and um, he was very engaged with dealing with his erections and he was very open with speaking about it. And it was before I did all this training. So... I was a small bit taken aback. Not, not that I was embarrassed about it, but, you know, to try and keep up with them information-wise. But, um, and he did very well in that context. I think he, he, he got a vacuum pump and he was very happy with it. But um, he, the next thing then, <laughs> I said to him a couple of times, what about the statins? What about the pressure? Oh, they're fine, they're fine. And the next thing um, he has, um, I don't know, did he have an episode of angina or does he have an AMI? But anyway, he ended up under the cardiologist and he had forgotten, you see, to look after his <laughs> other system, bodily systems. So he he he, he still, he, he got away with it. He, he he went back on his meds. He did very well. I think he probably had a stent or two. But, you know, so it's important. Look after the health in general. Look after mental health. Yeah. Mental health, I mean, I, I, I wrote, I've written a book called Sex for Simple Humans. I think I mentioned it to you before. It's th it, that's all covered in that. Mm. Anna Maria Giraldi, who's the current um, uh, president of the ISSM, and she's mm. a psychiatrist in Denmark. Mm. And she would tell you, as will a lot of psychiatrists working in the area, 50% of people with sexual dysfunction have depression. 50% of people wow. with depression have sexual dysfunction. So, mm. you know, keeping healthy, both mm -hmm. in body and in mind, take an exercise. Mm -hmm. Not giving up the kiss, the cuddle, the hug, yeah. the holding hands. Stay mm -hmm. close. You don't necessarily have to try and have penetrative sex. Mm -hmm. Guys who have um, erectile dysfunction can still have an orgasm. It's, it's possible to orgasm on a soft penis. Most of them have discovered that for themselves. Mm -hmm. An odd one hasn't. So it's always worth saying it to them. Okay. And sex isn't all about erections and penetration. 
you can they can satisfy each other in other ways and they yeah. should Barry McCarthy who has written loads of books including uh, coping with erectile dysfunction but he has written uh, a book called enduring desire and a guide to lifelong love and happiness you know with sex and it's a book book well worth having and a book well worth uh, people buying and he talks about the concept of good enough sex and we all have to settle for good enough in our lives anyway you know mm-hmm. you both love to be perfect nurses but <laughs> Because you're not, because you're human, yeah. you're, you can't be perfect. You can come Definitely. as close to it as you can, but you have to settle for good enough. Yeah, managing expectations, isn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it links mm-hmm. in with that. Well, the, the expectations thing is really important because you need to find out what it was like before for them. And sometimes, like I've been blindsided myself at, at, and at my own fault, because you'll have seen the male partner in the clinic and they'll be very enthused about working on the erections. And the next thing, mm-hmm. I'll ask to meet the female partner and uh, a very glum looking lady will come in and she doesn't want sex. Thank you very much. She <laughs> gave that up years ago and she's not going back to it now. <laughs> the whole other area. <laughs> So, that's a whole other podcast yeah very smoothly on to my next question which was as a partner what can be expected <laughs> yeah well like I said you you need you as nurses uh, should see the partner as well mm-hmm. and remember not every partner is female yeah. there are yeah. lots of men out there and Robert McConkey, who's um, a prostate specialist nurse in U- UHG has done um his master's thesis, I think, on um, prostate cancer and gay men. So mm-hmm. you could look up. I'm sure he has that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's available. If, if it's not published, I'm sure he'd share it with you. Mm-hmm. But basically, apparently the sexual repertoire of gay men is mainly oral sex. So you can imagine how difficult prostate cancer treatment would be for them. Because you have the twin scourges of prostate cancer treatment. A, a very successful treatment. But when I was a junior doctor, guys who had prostate cancer just died. We weren't having this conversation mm, because, yeah. you know, we, we, we could do nothing for them. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, with prostate cancer, you have not just erectile dysfunction, you also have incontinence yeah. and climacteria, which is we and when you're orgasming. Mm. And uh, so if you're having oral sex, that can be of course. Yeah. huge, you know, mm. um, negative thing for them huge huge uh bother for them so you need to you need to talk about that Mm -hmm. and um even if they don't if they're not having oral sex if it's mutual masturbation or anal sex is going to be very difficult for them because the anus is a much stronger barrier than Mm -hmm. the vagina so they need a much stronger erection yeah but like i said the, the, the 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 repertoire goes oral sex i think mutual masturbation and anal sex so like the male and female partners they'll have to change their sexual repertoire mm-hmm. and you're not going to be pushing them to have sex you're going to be telling them what is and isn't going to be possible and you're telling them to settle for good enough and John Mulhall wrote an article um what was last january uh, back in the midst of time before we had this COVID thing, he had an article in the Journal of Sexual Medicine, uh, How to Cope with uh, um, Urinating During Sex uh, and Climacturia. And uh, one of the things he suggested was have sex in the shower, which I thought was a bit disingenuous. (laughs) But you can have uh, insertion of an artificial sphincter, which you probably know more about than I would. Mm-hmm. They're doing this surgery now, 
an artificial um, urinary sphincter. And um, you can also get um, uh, some kind of a loop you can put on the top of the penis or um, you can take something like um, an old tricyclic antidepressant, 25 milligrams of amitriptyline before sex and that can reduce the length of or increase the length of time before they'll urinate. Oh, okay. I never knew that. Mm. I suppose, Mary, like as nurses assessing patients, do you have any tips on how they can bring this topic up of erectile dysfunction? Well, I think um, having, and the, the NCCP, and this really puzzles me, they spent a lot of money doing, um, and brought a load of us to Dublin loads of times to do up an information leaflet on sex after, erectile dysfunction after prostate cancer treatment. And they did another one on um, sexuality after um, after pelvic cancer treatment, because any pelvic cancer uh, treatment can cause problems. Mm. And th- the leaflets are all there. There's loads of them in UHD, but I don't see too many of them going out with patients. Mm. And I think it's because people are very busy and they haven't maybe thought about it. But they should get that leaflet as soon as they're done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can absolutely Because do they're that very comprehensive. Like I was involved in, in, in doing it. Ivor Cullen from Waterford was involved. There were a load of other people. Pauline Shields, who's um, um specialist nurse in the St. Michael's in Dunleary in the rehab. And she's mm-hmm. also a psychosexual therapist. So, and a lot of other people. So it's pretty comprehensive and all of this is covered. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll look all I'll look that up on the NCCP. So that's and they're freely available. There's loads of them. Yeah, brilliant. And actually, I you know something that um I remember when I told one of our regs last year that we were talking about doing this podcast, and he actually mentioned you straight away when we had mentioned doing prostate cancer, and he said the most profound thing that you, he took from one of your talks was to make sure that you include priests and everybody in the conversation ask, ask every man yeah. have you do with intimacy you do not know it is not up to us to decide that this person is over 80 or a priest or a widower mm-hmm. or bent over or with parkinson's or has had a stroke therefore won't have an interest in sex that is their decision to make not ours yeah absolutely yeah i think that's a really important point mm-hmm. Yeah, for all healthcare workers to take on board. And all yeah. you have to do, you don't, you don't have to ask a question that's intrusive. Like you yeah. don't have to lean over and say, tell me, Father, how's the sex life? You know? <laughs> can you imagine you can say, have you any difficulties with intimacy? I've done it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, so and I'm just thinking we're going to we will link all of these books and articles, everything you've mentioned, Mary. We'll link them on our Instagram as well so that people can access them. Right now, I'd appreciate a mention for my own book, but first of all, because it would be glad to see it continuing. And secondly, because it covers all of this. And a whole lot of Brilliant. That'll be our first one. Mm -hmm. You'll get your own post on, our own Twitter post on that, Mary. (laughs) Next for Simple Humans. Barry McCarthy's Enduring Desire and um, John Mulhall has written a raft of books, some of Mm -hmm. which are very very expensive but there's one called um saving your sex life surviving prostate cancer mm-hmm. uh, anyway saving your sex life and sex after prostate cancer and that is affordable and it's available i think on kindle as well as on and sometimes the kindle app i know one of my colleagues a doctor and uh, gp down in cork um I, I don't know how it came up on Twitter. We were talking on Twitter one day and I said she was looking for books to have for the waiting room. And I said, well, I'll send you a copy of mine. 
And I was while sending it. So um, and when I did send it, she got back to me and she said, thank you very much. I actually bought it, she said, but I wanted it on Kindle so the kids wouldn't be asking what I was reading. <laughs> so the hard copy is in her waiting room or somebody bore it away home with them, whatever. Somebody read it mm-hmm. anyway. Brilliant. Mary, that's amazing. I think you've covered so much. Is there anything that we've left out that you feel is really important to mention on this topic? Um, I, I, I don't think so. Good enough sex, all the interventions... Um, be careful about, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of ads out there for, for um, you know, um, with, with, with a lot of very um, highfalutin claims, you know, for great results. Mm, uh, yes. just, you know, be aware. Take it easy. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. Um, baby steps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look at the relationship and um, talk, I suppose. It's the most important thing. Yeah. It's good to talk. Yeah, communication absolutely. is huge. The first mm-hmm. presentation I ever did, um, I uh, I wanted to get across to the group the and it was a big group the the uh, the importance of communication. And I says, you know, people come into me and they're having sex, which is the closest and most intimate thing that a couple can do, mm-hmm. and they're not talking to each other. He's not happy with the way she's touching him. She's not happy with the way he's saying whatever or not doing or not doing whatever. And they are not sharing. They are not communicating. Mm-hmm. So I asked everybody to look into the eyes of the person on their right or on their left for one minute and then to tell me if they could what the other person was thinking. And of course, there was a big laugh and everybody did it and nobody knew what the other person was thinking. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, it just serves to illustrate mm-hmm. how difficult it is to know what the other person is thinking and how important it is to communicate. For example, the guy who says, I can't put my arm around him because she won't, I won't be able to finish. She'll think that I want to have sex and I won't be able to finish the job. Mm. She may draw inferences from that behavior that are completely incorrect. Like he Mm. doesn't love me anymore or he's gone off me or he's seeing someone else. And that one, one, thought can borrow another and you can end up with a totally broken relationship absolutely you can build up catastrophes nearly in your head that have never never happened or never will happen Mm. yeah but that's that that's Mm. unfortunately what 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 occurs yeah yeah Yeah. mary thank you this has been so helpful honest to god thank you so much and i think people will benefit so much even just to hear the options that are available yeah. and to just be encouraged to go and speak to their healthcare providers which is um which is the most important thing so really really appreciate and it come, now to start to come back to pierre bondale one third we'll just want to mention is one third you'll mm-hmm. be able to help yourselves yeah or point them in the right direction one third may have other difficulties and they may need to see a specialist mm-hmm. and what, what we need to do if you go to cosrat cos c-o-s-r-t all capitals, all the psychosexual or anyone who's, who's I, I'm not on because I'm not in Cosrat, but um, most of the psychosexual therapists in Ireland are on Cosrat and most guys will need maybe one session. Okay. And are, you patients, um, are you seeing patients at the moment, Mary? I'm I'm doing a clinic on the phone, but I'm, I'm, I'm phasing it out. Like I said, I want to make myself redundant. I have to retire sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, well hopefully getting this information out there is really going to help. and it'll. it'll well, I'm working on a series of books um, on the, the individual dysfunctions. The book I've written already, published already, Sex for Simple Humans, covers most everything. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Uh, the only thing I haven't gone into is gender and gender issues and transgender because somebody castigated me at a meeting one time. She asked a question and I said, I don't know. Well, if the expert doesn't know, how are the rest of us going to find out? Mm. And my husband said when I came home, I was left with my mouth open. He said, well, he said you could have told her that was a whole area of its own, which it is. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I'm not covering that, but everything else. And I'm starting, I've started the book on erectile dysfunction. I'll get it out as quickly as possible. I'll let you know about it. Mm, thank Do you. Please, so that'd be so helpful. Well, listen, thank you so much, Mary. It's lovely to meet you. And you, and you're, you're quite, quite you're quite famous in our hospital. Yeah. You've been recommended by so many people. So it's great to actually meet you. Yeah, yeah. we spoke to Prof McCaffrey and we said we were doing this sit up. Mary Rogan, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Famous or infamous. Anyway, listen, you're great girls to do this and it's Thank badly needed and I'm delighted. You're at the beginning of making me redundant, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Mary. Thanks for listening to the Answers for Cancers podcast. Please share this podcast with anybody who you think it might help. Also, if you can like and subscribe, it lets people know we're here. You can alternatively contact us on Instagram at the answers for cancers underscore podcast. And if you have any questions on anything that we discussed today, please email us at the answers for cancers podcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram.